if somebody's kicking a dog, I'm sorry. I'm not going to feel love and peace and feed that. I'm going to kick your ass. Welcome to The One You Feed. Throughout time, great thinkers have recognized the importance of the thoughts we have. Quotes like, garbage in, garbage out, or you are what you think, ring true. And yet, for many of us, our thoughts don't strengthen or empower us. We tend toward negativity, self-pity, jealousy, or fear. We see what we don't have instead of what we do. We think things that hold us back and dampen our spirit. But it's not just about thinking. Our actions matter. It takes conscious, consistent, and creative effort to make a life worth living. This podcast is about how other people keep themselves moving in the right direction, how they feed their good wolf. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Thanks for joining us. Our guest this week is Johnette Napolitano, an American musician best known as the lead vocalist and songwriter and bassist for the band Concrete Blonde. Johnette is currently a resident of Joshua Tree, California. She composes music for films and works as a gallery artist, specializing in discarded and reclaimed materials. She also takes care of rescue horses. Her latest record is called Naked, and her book is called Rough Mix. And here's the interview. Hi, Jeanette. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to have you on. Every once in a while, we get a guest that has uh, figured prominently in my mental landscape for a long time, and, and you are one of you those. You flatter me, sir. You flatter me. <laughs> your, uh, your music has been a, a source of consolation and comfort to me for, well, I don't, longer than I'd like to admit, back since your first records came out. So it's, it's exciting for me to get to talk with you. Well, then I've done my job. Thank you. So our podcast is called The One You Feed, and it's based on the parable of two wolves where there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. He says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good Mm. wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops and he thinks about it for a second. And he looks up at his grandfather and he says, well, grandfather... Which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So I'd like to start off by asking you what that parable means to you in your life and in the work that you do. Well, um, that's a good one. I understand that, and I, I, do, uh, I do agree with it to a point. Um, but I don't think as a human being you can be consistent all the time. And I also would say that while... You ha- let's say somebody doesn't speak the same language you do, and you have to speak their language to make your point. Um, and that and that language is not necessarily kindness and love and poetry all the time. Some things need to be fought for, and you have to fight 
sometimes. Other, I mean, the country, this country wouldn't be here if it hadn't been fought for. Mm-hmm. Um, on, the, on the other hand, as a human being, uh, I want to be, and we all should want to be, kind and generous and all that and, and feel love all the time. It just doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. And so it's really like surfing. You know, um, I have a friend um, whose wife is a psychiatrist and we have we've discussed this and we call them wobbles. I call them wobbles. It's like, you know, you are not going to be consistent all the time. There are a lot of factors behind that life factors, even astrology, you know, and, and which I which I do believe, in. you know, and uh, if, it, if, if it's strong enough to pull the tides and your body is mostly water, then it's strong enough to pull you. So I do keep tabs on, on, on that stuff, but not in order to rule me. I find it consistent with the way I feel. And, but I've learned as a mature human being, or trying to get there, uh, <laughs> that, that, um, that I'm in control of that. And if, it's, if, it's, if I'm not feeling all the love today, I'm fortunate enough that I can pull back and not socialize, not be around people. I can control that. And that, that I think, is the ultimate. It's, it's all about balance. Um, balance is basically what it's all about. And if I feel like I'm not in the most loving mood, I've learned how to control that, or I'm very close to it. You know, I do have a lot of Italian blood in me. So, <laughs> you know, I have learned that. And not all people deserve my love. I'm sorry. If, right. You know, if somebody's kicking a dog, I'm sorry. I'm not going to feel love and peace and feed that. I'm going to kick your ass, <laughs> you know? So yep. I, I really think that it's not that simple. You know, I, I wish it were, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that what I like about that that parable, I mean, there's a lot of things. I think the main thing I like is it just becomes, I think it just speaks to the fact that we have a choice in any moment to think you about have a choice. how yes. we want to act and mm-hmm. how we want to react. What you were just saying made me think of something, and I, I thought I'd be interested in getting your take on. So one of the things on the show that, that comes up a lot is there seems to be a couple of responses to emotions that, that people have. I mean, on one side, there's the indulgence of the emotion, whether that be lashing out in anger or, you know, drinking ourselves into despair or, you know, watching or TV. Channeling it into channeling it into art. Right. And so then there's the other end, which is repressing it, which is, oh, I don't feel that or all those different things. I think there's a middle ground. And it sounds like to you, that middle ground is, is channeling it into art. What are other ways that you try and find that balance between repression and indulgence in emotion? Well, a, a lot of it depends on what is the root of that. A lot of it is chemical. Um, if, and I'm not talking about alcohol or drugs. I'm talking about what you eat, uh, the world we live in, uh, the excess stimulation. Um, and, and now when you see what all these, these kids are going crazy because they're over-medicated, they're shooting up places and, and that, you know, I, I just had an uh, email from somebody in Australia the other day who was really hypercritical about um, the gun control thing and everything else, which of course is a mess, but there's always a route to that, it, it, a route to dysfunctional behavior, whether it be alcoholism, whether it be shooting up a school, whether it be anything, what is the root of it, you know, and you have to look at that. You know, um, and it's a difficult question. Uh, and and a, a kid doesn't know how to how to process these emotions or channel them in any way. You know, um, that's why I think they draft eighteen year olds because eighteen year olds are full of angst. You know, you either want to uh, fuck or fight, 
and uh, basically, and when you get them at that age, you're going to get them at that age, you know? Yep. So um, it's, it's really a very complicated question. Uh, or, or, and, but to me also, you know, I've been studying dance for many, many years, flamenco, and that seems to tap into something in me, which is, you know, whatever anger there is or rage or upset, dance is very important. But we've taken all that out. I think especially kids need to be physically active to work out that adrenaline. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about adrenaline from a friend of mine who was a neurologist, and that can build up for years and explode when you least expect it. And as human beings, in a physiological sense, the changes that you go through, especially women, um, you, you know your body for the first uh, trimester of your life. The second trimester is different, and then you have a whole different thing that happens, you know, after a certain period. So it's it's no pun intended, but it's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's so many factors. It's it's just not that simple, you know. It's not that simple, and you, and you have to have uh, some kind of awareness. And that's difficult because there's, if you have no guidance, you don't have that awareness. And we don't have that awareness because as, as long as we're processed into machines and taking our, uh, our, our uh, drugs and, and, uh, and, and walking in line and staying in line, that's all that's expected of us. And it's not humanly possible. It's not who we are. And if you try to deny the spiritual part of us and not feed that, getting back to the parable, mm-hmm. What are we feeding? You know, uh, are we going to feed the art, the, the art side of us, the spiritual side of us, the creative side of us? We're not, nobody's feeding that. We're cutting that back all the time. Right. And what does what what is left? A whole side of our brain that we're discouraged from using, that is natural, uh, and 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 that's just creating a monster, and it is creating monsters. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit about about shooting, and as I was going back through your your catalog, I I listened to. To God is a bullet, which is that's painfully, painfully relevant right now. I I know. I was really Mm -hmm. just. This is almost more relevant now than it was when you wrote it. Actually, had thought of that the other day uh, in my exchange with uh, with someone in Australia. I was just like, you know what? It's not that simple. You know, it's not that simple. It's not just a matter of taking guns away. I know many gun owners. Hell, if you come onto my property, I'll blow you away myself. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that's not the reason. But we loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May fifteenth. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. 
Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what I mean? It's not the reason. Once again, get back to the root of it. Why is someone going uh, going on and shooting up a school? He's a kid. I know people out here with guns that have never had to use them, you know? Right. Uh, but I live in a rural area, you know, and, and that's that's very, very different. And it's just not a blanket. It's not an easy solution. But taking away everybody's guns, I have to say, and having written that song, it surprises me to hear myself say that. But since I've lived out here, I know many people with guns, carry guns, always have guns, and have never shot them. Right. So, you know, what is that? And in the Swiss Army, by the way, uh, never mind the knife. They they are they have to meet a, a weekly. I think once a year. They keep their guns in their homes after they're out of the army, which is mandatory service. The Swiss don't go shooting up each other, you know. Right. With guns anyway. <laughs> but uh, but what is why 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 not? Yep, I think it's definitely a very uh, nuanced debate. It's not as simple. There's no a- easy answers to any of these things. No, there aren't. Speaking of where you live, I saw you uh, in your Twitter feed sometime over the last week mention something about um, the Desert Land Trust. Could you tell me a little bit about what that is and, yes, thank and what, you for role you're, what role you're playing there? Well, I've willed my property to the, Des- the Mojave Desert Land Trust because um, I've lived here a while. The desert is uh, is an, a delicate ecosystem. <clears throat> it's not the wasteland people think it is. It's always alive. 
Um, I've pulled four tortoises off the road since I've lived here. Um, never mind. Um, but, but I, anyway, the trend out here is because it's Joshua Tree's trendy now is to do Airbnbs. And, um, I was out here all by myself for a long time. And now I have people on either side of me. Everybody thought it was cool to come out and flip property. Well, it's not, it's not that simple either, but people don't know how to be in the desert and it's ruining, ruining the ecology of the desert. And, uh, never mind the carnage that I've seen on the road, human and animal of people that don't know how to be, how to drive. They come out here and get their party on. You know, I just got on somebody's case and uh, about them not living here and coming up and selling LSD at the music festival. That's not cool at all. People die from that. Those kids are young. You're not going to blow into my neighborhood and sell LSD at the music festival and then blow out. It's not going to happen. Right. And boy, I got ripped a new one for that, but I don't care. I'll stand up for that. That's not right. These kids are too young. You shouldn't be taking stuff like that at that age anyway, or any age for that matter. <laughs> um, I've seen it do the damage that, that it does. And the desert at its best is a very volatile environment. It's a harsh environment. If you don't know how to be here, whether you're on drugs or not, it's easy to get lost within five feet of your car. You right. know? And, it's, and I know people that have done it who know the desert. You know, you get a dust storm in here, you're screwed. You know, uh, you can't find it. And it's just really a harsh environment. It doesn't take long to get sunstroke and die um, and wander off because it all looks the same. If you're not from here, you don't know where you are. And I know a, a search and rescue. I know what they go through. I know uh, people who train the Black Rock Rangers you know, who go to Burning Man to to uh, to look after people and the emergency stuff there. You just got to be careful, and people don't know how to do that. And um, it's, a, it's a very uh, – so anyway, I thought the best thing to do, and I've been talking about it a long time, but since I'm not 21 anymore, and when my dad passed, God bless him, and he's never far from me, um, didn't leave a will, and, and it, it was a bit of a mess. And uh, I decided nobody likes to think about making a will because none of us want to think about dying. But you know what? I've seen enough out here in a split second. Uh-huh. You know, people go down, people die. It, it happens all the time. And and I want my stuff straight. And I'm probably I think I'm the first one in my family to really ever have done that. And the Mojave Desert Land Trust has acquired great tracts of land, a lot of land. And the, the single reason is for preservation. And I thought, what better could I do with my five acres? I only have one acre fenced off, but the four acres that I have need to be left alone. And that is what I want. That is was my intention when I bought my place. That is my intention when I leave. And that's what's going to happen. And I was just uh, proud to do that. I was really nervous because, like I said, nobody wants to make a will. Does this mean I'm going to die? You know, and um, no, but I, I do go on tour. I do get on planes. Right. I do have less and less confidence about that whole thing. You know, am I going to land? Am I going to make it? You know, I mean, I kiss the ground whenever I come home, even just going to the store <laughs> because I've seen uh, I've seen such horrible shit on the highway, you know. So I really was proud to do that, and I'm 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 pleased that they were glad about it, you know. And I'll probably be I'll probably be playing um, a show in the building uh, before the end of the year. So I'm I'm really I was really it really made me feel good to do that. I felt like I was doing something definitely worthwhile. Well, that's that's wonderful. One of the songs, if I had to say, it was one of your very early songs, and yet I think it it speaks for you. Uh, kind of who you've been and who you've remained for so long is true. 
That's my horse's name. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so clearly I have that's... it tattooed on my left hand, T R U W. So when I play guitar, you get to see that. <laughs> yep, yep. And you've you've written, uh, you know, there's the original True, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Thank you. Then there's yeah. you've got the instrumental version, and then you did uh, True Three. The reason that I, I need to interject that that the music was written by Jim Mankey, okay. and he gave me he gave me a cassette of music. Um, that included God is a Bullet, which he wrote the music for, and and included True, and he hated it. He hated <laughs> it. He didn't like it. And I said, this is so good. I'm not only going to put it on the record once, I'm putting it on twice. <laughs> he hated that. So it was a good check and balance system, but that the, the credit for that song definitely goes to him. But you put the lyrics to it. Yes. And then they talk you up, and then they talk you down, and you begin to We had been rejected by everyone, uh, in, except Miles Copeland, in the early days. Um, that song, was at, we submitted it to everybody. We had started making the record, and I actually had one uh, record executive who is, well, the record business isn't what it used to be, and this is, this is why, because the dude was, uh, I mean, hugely important VP who actually told me that I couldn't write songs, and Jim Mankey couldn't play guitar, and he couldn't write songs either. And, you know, there's not much I know in the world, but I just looked at him and went, what the hell are you doing in this job? (laughs) And turned around and slapped him in. And and I walked away from a major, major record deal. And at the time, I was I I think I was 32 or 33. And then what went around town was that I was getting old. And (laughs) that, yeah, I think about that now. It cracks me up, but it wasn't funny then. But I stuck up for it. And I'm glad that you appreciate that song as much as I do. And that was. The, the reason for the lyrics of that song is because we had been rejected by everybody. And I had, you know, it's, I, it was a lot of soul searching. And I just said, if I can't, if I can't make the music that is in my heart, that, that comes to me, then I just don't want to do it at all. I'd, I'd rather, you know, work, at, 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 you know, anywhere else. I'd rather go back to waitressing, you know? Yep. So a lot of times on the show, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, life is paradoxical. What paradox or contradiction in your life have you had to learn to accept or embrace? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> all of it? All of it. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty much, you know, the Chinese have a great saying, you have to learn to dance on a moving carpet. Mm. And uh, there's, you know, to bring in more cliches, but I'll tell you what, cliches are cliches for a reason. Yep. Um, you have to, you know, a, a, a recent paradox is, you know, I've, I've, all, I've wondered, Living out here for for as long as I have, and taking myself out of Hollywood, the city I was born in, um, am I missing out on anything? Uh, the answer is no. I'm not missing out on anything. But a, a very strange thing happened recently. As I was listening to Brian Eno radio, and uh, I heard this beautiful piece of piano music. And for the first time in my life that I can remember, I went, "Who is this?" and went over and wrote it down, and it was Harold Budd. 
And I said, wow. And I posted something on my Facebook and said, I'm listening to Harold Bug music. Well, I got an email two days later from his son, Terrence, that said, you know, we're doing a retrospective on my dad's work, and you're one of the first names that came up. And I was amazed because yeah. not only has Harold Bud worked with Eno, Fripp, uh, all kinds of people, but he's had a house up in the de- up in near the national park for the last ten years. He lived here forever, and and I'm like, how did I not know you were here? And Harold and I are working on a on a beautiful book, and and he came out and recorded at my house and we have gorgeous music and I'm just thinking now that's one of the strangest things that's ever happened. So I don't think it matters, especially in this day and age where a lot of people can get really, especially my age can get really down on the internet and on the Facebook and all that sort of stuff. But the role that social media has played, I mean, uh, politically, socially, just, I mean, just on every, it's a tool. And you can use it the way you want, you know. But I, that was the strangest thing to happen to me for a long time because Harold and I should have known each other for years. And he's just like, oh my God, we're just soulmates. And um, and he's and he's just wonderful. So I, that is one of the paradoxes. Is like the further you get away, the closer you are. Yeah. I find that I found that amazing. I found that absolutely amazing. So uh, and 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 uh, I think that's uh, that's an example. You know, it's just uh, life is like you say. You know, life is full of them. And um, there's just that's the mystery. You know, the mystery is what makes life worth living, really. You know, uh, we're not going to know it, you know, uh, but that was a great example of like, am I missing something? Not only was I not missing anything, but here is a man who was a professor at CalArts. And I was I always felt bad that I never got to go to college because my parents divorced. He's not only a professor, he's a professor at one of the best art schools in the world. And and he's my best friend. And here we are collaborating. And uh, and I just can't get over that. I still can't get over that. I was going to ask you about that. There's some really lovely pictures of the two of you guys out there at your place recording. Oh. It looks like it's oh. so much fun. What, will will the rest of us get to hear that music at any point? Yes, absolutely. I'm actually uh, in Chicago. I'm I'm having a, a meeting with um, with the gentleman who um, is in charge of um, taking care of Harold's business and and Terrence. And I, I'm in, I'm in touch with with them every day. And we're going to sit down and figure out how to do this because. Uh, you know, I I went to Pasadena where Harold spends most of his time. He had a fall, so his son isn't that crazy about him driving around by himself like a madman, although he does anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with him, and he's going to be 80 years old. <laughs> I love that. So, uh, yeah. Oh, no, it, it's just amazing. Um, but yes, we will, but we'll figure out how to do it, how to do it right. We want to do a live performance uh, out here in the desert. And I would love to do it at the Mojave Desert Land Trust, and I talked to parents about that. And so we're talking about quite a few things to do this fall. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, you've got a new three-song EP out, and one of the songs on it is called Here. Yes. I know I'm complicated, and I'm sorry for all that. All the love I try to make comes out half-baked, it just falls flat. I'm a little bit of mess, but a lot of Sometimes I just can't stop Sometimes I just can't stop Well, I never had a map I never had a plan All I have is scraps Who and why I think I am And I am a little less And you are a little more And I've never really seen My life in quite this light before Yeah. 
Can you tell me about that song? I really like it. Yes, it, it's that's that's a paradox. Is that um, you know there was a relationship I would I would have really loved to maintain, but I couldn't live in L.A. anymore for many many reasons, and um, uh, creatively, financially, you know, my father um, passed away, and he helped build a lot of Hollywood. I mean, he put neon signs on the top of the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel and several landmarks, and it's it's. Kind of, I've got to get over really being there, but I don't want to live there anymore. It's it looks more like New York than Hollywood now, and moving out of the city was a drag because I had to forfeit some time with somebody I really wanted to spend time with. Um, and the only message that I can say is that if, you know, whenever you want, I'll be here. That's all. I'll just be here. And I've never felt like that about a relationship in my life. It's a very unconditional thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess that means that maybe finally I'm maybe maturing, although I never maturing and growing up are two different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that was, that was what I meant. And I mean, it. it's like, you know, if you ever want me, I'll be here and I'm not, no conditions, no rules, no nothing. But if you ever need me, I will never be away from you. And I've, that's more than uh, most married people say to each other, you know, or even do. So uh, I'm, I was pretty happy making that statement. You know, I'm not happy, but I mean, just um, satisfied, you know, fulfilled making that statement. Just being, being able to say that no matter what you do on your own time, I just don't care. But if ever you need me, I will be here. Yep. That's a beautiful sentiment. So what do you do? You know, we, we were talking earlier about emotions. You know, we all get down or, or feel sad. What are the things that you do to find comfort when, when you're feeling that way? Pick up my guitar. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's what I do. And, and, uh, and that's it. So everybody perceives me as a sad, tragic person, and I'm not. But if, if, because if the weather's good, I'm going to be out playing with my horse. I'm going to be out painting. I'm going to be out, you know, pounding tin or, or, you know, sculpting or something. Um, and, and it's a drag too, because the weather's almost always great here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's not. But if the first thing, if. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught. A history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. From iHeart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
if I if I'm sad about anything, and and that is a very human thing, it's normal. I um, I pick up my guitar and I write a song because that's that's soothing and and it's 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 channeling it in a productive way. You know, I just I've, I've been talking about it for years, but I finally wrote a Christmas song, and I, I posted it for my dad, um, and uh, I was really happy to do that. You know, because because uh, it's. I've never done it. I've always wanted to do it. Always wanted to do a Christmas song and finally did that. So it just it's just uh, therapy. That's why music therapy is so essential. Music and dance therapy is absolutely essential. And it's therapeutic for me. You know, it really is. And But I'm not sad all the time. It's just that's where, that's when I need to make music. That's when I need to play. Yep. And it's been difficult because... Uh, in the Concrete Blonde days, especially when we did the Bloodletting album, oh my God, to go out and play that every night. I'm a bit of a method actor when it comes to uh, performance. I don't believe in faking it. Um, and I can't just sit there and strum away. You know, it's it's tough for me. Touring is tough for me. It's always been tough. But to go out and play that record for a year, Jesus, I was suicidal. I mean, it was just tough, you know, to relive all that stuff every night was really difficult. I'm, uh, it was, um, it was just, I was just crying all the time, you know, but I can't fake it. I just can't. I, I either have to feel it all and people know the difference, you know, mm-hmm. they know the difference. You know, if I go out and clock it in, uh-uh. uh, I'll be called on it. And, uh, and rightfully so, you know, if I can't get out there and give 150% everything, you know, it's not, you know, they said something about Marlon Brando that um, when he wasn't acting, he should have been kept in a cage. Um, and that's, and that's probably, a, that probably applies to me as well. <laughs> a, a desert cage at this point. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's all right. So you were just talking about bloodletting and there's uh you know, the song that you're probably best known for is Joey on that, on that mm-hmm. record. And I've uh, always related with that song. I've related to it as a recovering drug addict and alcoholic as, as I related to it as the Joey in that song. been a lot of speculation about who that song was about and you can feel free to defer this it's question it's in my book it's in it's, my book yeah. rough mix mark go get it i read it mark moreland and then okay i went along to read that he you know he passed when you wrote joey was it before or after he passed uh before okay so that song is even more tragic what a great time we had or something like that was the was the final line something to that extent looking back on well, your, we did. your time we had together a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So does that song, is that song gotten harder for you to play after he passed? Nope. Much easier. Okay. What is the lesson in your life that you think is taking you the longest to learn? That it could end any minute. I just lost a very dear friend, uh, Octavio Hernandez Diaz, who is a major, major, major uh, journalist in Mexico, music journalist. But more than that, he was a very dear friend and passionate about life and a brilliant writer. And um, his wife was a, a, also a very dear friend of mine and how this um, 
came very strange. What happened is uh, Rasaba, she's a brilliant jeweler, just a, doesn't have a bad bone in her body. The woman is a saint. And she was struck by paralysis, and nobody knows why. And so Octavio was putting on all these amazing gigs in Tijuana with all these major, major bands. And he had, he had written me saying, um, can you send this? Can you help out? Could you send? And I said, of course, of course. And I drove around and finally found a Western Union and sent some money down to San Ysidro, um, where I needed to for him. And I wondered why he didn't pick it up. And I, it just it didn't get picked up, didn't get picked up. And, you know, Octavio just stopped breathing and died out of nowhere one day. And it just ripped all of us apart. And uh, Rosaba is a typical thing, apologized that he didn't pick the money up. My God, you know, <laughs> that's so typical of her, you know. But that came out of nowhere. And the carnage I've seen on this highway, Highway 62, has got to be one of the most dangerous highways in the world. And um, what I've seen on this highway is that somebody went to work one day, got slammed off his motorcycle. I I just don't want to get too deep into that because I'm not. That's that's where the control comes in. I don't want to upset myself. I've seen it. I was there. It's cool. It just happens all the time, every day, all the time out here. And um, I've you know gone through people's stuff when they've passed away, when there were no provisions made. I mean, uh, you know, I've done it two or three times with different people and that every minute is your last minute. And if you don't appreciate it and treat it right, you don't deserve it. Yeah. That's such a a powerful statement and so hard for so many, or it's so hard to, to know that intellectually, or it's easy to know that intellectually and it's a lot harder to um, really take that in and learn to appreciate every moment. I know that I wrestle with that. Yes. Well, it's easy to, you know, you got to let the past be the past. The only thing is the present. I mean, even on a physics level, you know, the only thing is the present. You know, there is no future. There is no past. There's only now. And all these little moments make our lives. And every little moment is important. And it is, it is difficult to digest. And I think that calls for a certain amount of experience or a certain amount of, there are people who know that, you know, people who send their sons and husbands away and wives away to war know that. Um, and the things that you remember are always the little things, you know, if you're laying there dying, you're going to remember the little things, not the big things that they call accomplishments in, in, in this time that we live in and what we're encouraged to do. I was talking to somebody who really got sick, um, the other day and he's going in, you know, just got a promotion and has a huge job and, and just a huge responsibility and certain just all of a sudden is sick. And, uh, you know, I was joking around and we were joking around. I'm like, who's, who's racing faster to death? You or me? <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's accomplish. Let's accomplish. Let's make more money. Let's make more money. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Who's going to die first? It's a race. And, uh, and that's pretty much what it is, you know, and, and, and to slow down literally means to slow down time. You know, um, the thing that the thing that has struck me, because I like to be out for a week out of the month, but you have to work when you're touring. You have to work three months in advance. I mean, I know what I'm doing in February and I used to get tremendous anxiety over that. Like, oh, my God, February. Oh, geez, February. What am I going to do? Who am I going to get to watch the horse? What am I going to do? And then I'm just like, whatever. You know, I'm not going to worry about February if I don't know if I'm going to make it through today. Right. And it's, it's up to God whether I make it through today, not me. So I've learned to manage that anxiety. But I, I see that 
whether people are planning weddings, whether they're planning vacations, but they're planning, planning, planning. And I think John Lennon ripped off the Dalai Lama when he said, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Well, it is, yep. you know, and, uh, and I've learned to just kick back and just go, today will take care of itself. And I'm just going to enjoy, I have an hour. I mean, I can wake up in a hotel and, and checkout time is 11. And if I have 20 minutes to sit there by myself, I'm like, this is going to be the best 20 minutes ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My favorite piece of time. <laughs> and it is, you know, I can, I can get more in five minutes. I can get more out of it than a lot of people can. And that's one of the reasons I did move out. As a matter of fact, the reason I did move out of LA was because I found most of my quality time sitting in traffic. Mm. And I, and I realized that God did not invent me to sit in traffic all day. You know, and uh, this is just not right. Uh, this isn't this isn't good. This isn't real life. If I'm gonna if I'm going to point A and point B, I want to get from point A to point B. I don't want to have to sit there in the in the twilight zone of whatever. And and uh, it's it just it just wasn't normal to me. It wasn't right. It wasn't holistic. And uh, I had to leave. And to leave one's hometown, it depends on where you're from. But I do love Hollywood very mm-hmm. much. And so uh, it's not that far away, but it's not the same. And it's still too much traffic. You know, I just can't deal with it. I just feel like I'm sitting here wasting my time. I mean, you're supposed to spend a third of your life sleeping anyway, you right. know, and I'm grateful if I can do that because sleeping is pretty much a friend of mine said back in the 90s, sleep will be the new sex of the new millennium. <laughs> You'll be lucky if you get any. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know. And he was right. And uh, and I got to say, that's just a priority. You know, I'm up at five and I try to be in bed by 10. If I wake up at three, that's cool, which I usually do. And if I want to go back to sleep for an hour, that's cool. But I feel like I'm fortunate enough to pay attention to my body's rhythms. And I don't think that we have that luxury anymore in this, uh, we're in the culture that we're in. A lot of people do not. That is for sure. I that's don't, right. certainly at points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeanette, thanks so much for taking the time. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Like I said, I, I, uh, I have been a big well. fan of your thank music, you. so thank you for all that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep. And okay. good luck with everything. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. You too. Bye. You can learn more about Johnette Napolitano and this podcast and find links to the songs that are featured in this episode at oneufeed.net slash Johnette.